0: mmm that's good that's right it's the sound of a new episode of digital coffee yes brand spanking new or just a new brewed cup if you like the coffee terms that i usually do but i am back for 2019 and i've got some pretty good predictions for you are you guys ready do you guys have your favorite cup of coffee i've got don francisco cup of coffee that it's not bad for a keurig some hazelnut E flavor to it it's pretty good so guys let's get into what's going on in the tech digital marketing and gaming world this is going to be more of a predictions for this year i know it's march but let's get into it kind of interested to see if some of my predictions come true and or not and as always if you guys have better predictions than i do please comment them pass them along to me and i will either agree with you or disagree with you politely because we should all be polite about Debates. That's what I think. Anyways, let's get into it. So, in the tech industry world, there is or there has been several things that have been going on that's kind of perked my ears a little bit, or at least going on with all these social media tech companies wanting to censor people with all that's going on with the election and everything, you know, all this Russia conspiracy and stuff. It just seems like more and more things are going to be going towards the let's censor people. Let's make sure they're in the right thinking because that always goes very well. And let's make sure that if they don't, we will ban them for thinking wrongly because that always helps. Yeah, but I'm kind of seeing more and more of this going on since Facebook and Twitter have been under fire and YouTube as well has been under fire for not getting rid of trolls or Russian agents or bots or whatever. And I mean, the, always the best way is to let them talk, let them advertise, let them do what they want and bring it to light. Because that's the best way to counteract it is to bring it to light, not to, you know, hide it in shame and be like, oh, we don't do that. That's not us. No, bring it to light. But let's let's see what they're talking about. Let's see what they're doing. I don't want people talking from places that I don't know what they're talking about, having these ideas that may or may not be good. And then us finding out later on when they do something horrific that, oh, maybe we should let them talk because at least we would know what they were thinking. So I don't agree with what they're doing. I mean, Apple has kicked off uh, conservatives, but specifically the biggest one was Alex Jones. I don't agree with what Alex Jones says. I don't really watch him or listen to him, but I'd rather him talk than have to find out. Later down the line that what he did was crazy or insane and he did something bad. I don't think he's going to do anything bad, but you never really know what these people and I'd rather not Tim Cook, the righteous Tim Cook saying, oh, how we need to help people with our moral obligation to censor people. And I'm like, well, that's not your obligation. Your obligation is to make money. And that's my biggest concern right now with tech companies is your concern is to make money Your concern is not to teach people morality. That is for other industries, like, I don't know, the religious industry or philosophy or anything else like that. That is their domain. Your domain for tech is to, you know, grow your user base. That's one. And also make money. That's it. That's all you do in tech. You don't do the morally correct thing. I know that people have their different ideologies. I understand that. I also understand the often used... But of this is that they're a private company. They can do what they want. True that. However, it's becoming increasingly clear that if you only try to block one side from their bad behaviors and forget the other ones, you're being biased about who you're targeting and who you're going to ban or not ban or who you're going to take off your platform altogether. Next on my predictions for what's going on in the tech industry is that more and more companies are probably going to delay their IPOs. Now, there are some already coming out saying that Uber, Lyft and Slack are one of the few that are actually going to do their IPOs. But we're still going to see a very long run for companies still wanting to retain their private entity only because of uh, Snapchat and Blue Apron going in their IPOs, rising really high. Yeah, they did that. But then tanking really bad. I mean, Snapchat's below $10 right now. Last time I checked, and Blue Apron is hovering around a dollar, which when they were first doing it, they were actually pretty high. And now they've just been going down and down because of increased competition, plus the uh, model for buying food and having it ordered or shipped to you isn't the greatest model in the world. And it takes a lot of marketing to convince people to stay or get new people. And then Snapchat just has a lot of problems with increasing competition from Facebook and Instagram, specifically Instagram. And that's been another thing. And plus just the redesign that they did for the app was just a miss. Also just really focusing on spectacles that just doesn't make any sense. No one really wants to get these things at all. So there's that as well. Um, So we're going to keep on seeing this increased um, prolonging of tech companies delaying their IPOs, but we're still going to see a lot of high profile ones coming out this year as well. Another one of my predictions is that Slack will buy Discord. Now, I know you're thinking that's a little weird, and it is, but Slack is a startup that was focused on business communication. It kind of sprang to life, or it was this new revolution in, hey, I don't have to email everybody. I can just send attachments. Send gifts on a bunch of different things with add-ons or extensions through the app that I can do within this, and have business meetings, voice calls, video calls all through it. And it kind of like shook Microsoft and all these other ones trying to do the same thing. Going, oh, we didn't, we missed this part. And so it came to life probably about five years ago. Don't don't track me on that, but it's been a little while since uh, Slack has been in the business communication. Business, But I kind of foresee it going, look, we've kind of conquered this. How about we try to buy partner first and then eventually buy Discord and get into that gaming one? Because they are very similar to each other. Discord kind of takes a lot of examples from Slack. They have all these different things where you can create your own server. You can also add different channels, voice channels or chat channels as well. Um, So I just kind of see it as a kind of a natural progression of kind of looping in the gaming and the business side of it all together and kind of making it an even better platform with it as well. But that might not be this year, but I can at least foresee it down the road where these two actually combine together because it's kind of a natural marriage between the two. But it looks like it could be going down that road eventually. So we'll just have to see in general. Now, my next one is more about the alt tech out there. Now, if you're wondering what alt tech is, it's kind of like the Gab, the Minds.com, the BitChute. There's a few other ones that I've kind of looked at as well, but these are mostly just called quote unquote alt tech. And how these sprang up is that essentially they looked at Twitter and what Facebook were doing and going, Hey, look, you guys are kind of censoring a lot of people that are just speaking their own minds. Yeah, maybe it might be a little controversial. People get upset about it, but they shouldn't be losing their jobs. they shouldn't be banned from it. So they decided to create more of a blockchain format for social media. And they're only following rules that are against the law. So if you actually try to, say, kill somebody or call to violence more, but not saying, like, I hate these types of people or these people are the scum of the earth or whatever else you think should be terrible. Basically, hate speech policies are out of there. And that's what they kind of were brought up to do. They were basically in response to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and all them really going doubling down on, hey, we need to get rid of these. Evil ideas, and we need to get people off our platform because they're not helping us. And our little eight percent of very radical left people are saying that it's terrible, and we need to listen to them and not the majority of other people. So this is how they spring up. Now, Gab has been in the news several times with a lot of heat from bad information, just people wanting to take it, the site down. Anyways, they've had to change domain. Registrars, they had changed site registrars, they had changed basically processing payments companies as well as they've been routinely trying to destroy their business. I am not in full agreement with that. And that's something to look into as well as process payments companies are really trying to do is saying, hey, they're not allowed to make a living type of a thing, which I'm in fully against as well. But it should be interesting to see where this will go if they become actually more popular, and where do they pivot to if they don't really want to be just a traditional social network anymore. Now Gab has pivoted to kind of be the online comment section for the web, and BitChute is becoming an alternative to YouTube. There's other alternatives for payment processing like Subscribestar. There's probably other ones that have propped up as well. So it should be interesting to see where these companies go what the hurdles are going to be, and if they actually will pivot to more of a mainstream and not be so reviled by the media and everybody else that thinks they know better than the majority of people that don't really care about this stuff, which which is who I'm trying to target a little bit more. I mean, obviously, I have my own opinions, but I'd like you guys to at least be in the know about what's going on with that type of thing. Next is going to be kind of an interesting one that I wanted to talk about as well. It's going to be, well, essentially that I think Amazon may actually buy either a clothing company in general, like a traditional one in that type of a sense, or if it's going to be one of those like monthly boxes to kind of shore up that new clothing line that they're trying to do or their clothing monthly subscription boxes are trying to do as well. That could actually be an interesting move for Amazon as well to kind of capture that side of it as well and kind of close loop that in general. I'm not really quite sure how they're going to do it, but it should be interesting to see where they're going to go with that. It seems like an obvious progression for Amazon is to buy a company and make sure that they can actually now drop the prices to make it more affordable and to conquer that industry as well. It could or could not happen, but I can kind of foresee them actually doing that, become more of a powerhouse and to become More of a one-stop shop where everybody gets everything from Amazon. Now, if you like this or not, that's another thing. But that is kind of where the direction we're headed with Amazon is that they want to basically own as many types of or at least be in part of many types of different industries and kind of close loop it where everybody can get everything in one stop on Amazon. And never have to go to Target, Walmart, or any other place to actually get it. And we'll see if they actually succeed on that one or not. And the next one I'm going to say is, and this has already actually been in the news, but I think more millennial or digital media or journalist outlets are actually going to go broke. Now, we've already kind of seen this with vice mike and buzzfeed and even vox kind of tanking pretty hard because they are basically only talking to a very small subset of the country or even of the world that actually ascribes to a very far left ideology and most people especially gamers don't always agree with actually never agree on everything because we're all very different and i can kind of see them really in the beginning they were great because they hit a bunch of people and they thought they were doing something great. But now as we're seeing a bunch of different layoffs going on and a bunch of other things going on within there and they're going broke. A lot of journalists there want to unionize, which basically makes them lay off more people because they have no money in general. They're trying to find alternative revenue streams, selling cookware. I think BuzzFeed's trying to do that because of Tasty, which is one of their brands where they create interesting or really good looking food. And so they're trying to find a way of monetizing or doing new revenue streams So quickware is obvious, I guess, for them. But Vox has had trouble as well. I mean, Disney basically mothballed a bunch of money that they gave to invest in Vox and Vox has not been doing very well. Plus, with Vox owning The Verge and Verge did how to build your computer and all the tech community was like, please don't build your computer this way. This is a terrible thing. Then they went to go copyright strike on a bunch of these tech people. And tech people are like, fair use, what are you doing? Like, you made this terrible video on how to not build a computer correctly. And they decided to do it that way because, oh, they got their hurts, their feels. They got their feels. It it hurt them. And so this is just their own demise. And we're seeing it kind of live in 2019. Will it still go strong for a while? Yeah, they'll still go strong for a while. But I think more people at least online, are looking for more moderate, more in the middle, more actually uh, insightful and intellectual uh, publications that actually bring forth new information and not try to do the clickbait, oh, look at the outrage that's going on type of a thing. And so I think we're seeing that more and more. And I'm glad we are, because that's what we actually need. We need more debates not more outrage because Outreach doesn't really help anybody it just hurts everybody now moving on to even more doom and gloom is that I foresee more and more and bigger cyber attacks happening in this year we've already had Marriott be cyber tech and get a whole bunch of data as well we've had some other high profile ones experienced last year as well and it's just getting worse and worse and so I see this as kind of a wake-up call to businesses that their IT department needs to be, staffed, filled, and security measures need to be in place either using LastPass for uh, password management tools or anything like that to help you along the way. I highly recommend for personal users using two-factor authentication even though there's been reports that unfortunately they can now be bypassed at least it kind of gives you a little bit extra protection because nothing's ever foolproof but also using LastPass, Dashlane, one of those password management softwares to actually help you protect yourself and give you full, really, really good passwords that are not just this one password over and over again. I use LastPass myself personally, but you can use any of the other ones they are actually really good, and they will actually come in handy as well. Also, on the credit card line, I actually recommend using Apple Pay or Google Pay or Samsung Pay, one of those payment uh, processing apps because they actually give you a little bit of extra security when you're paying for those as well because instead of giving you your credit card number they will give you a random series of numbers or the businesses a random series of numbers so they cannot be lifted or you know taken and then the bad person can actually use that as well so this is actually going to get worse and I highly recommend that everybody uses Any tools out there that give them a little bit extra protection because that's going to be a big difference is that if you aren't protecting yourselves, companies will not, even though they should be, even though they should be using a bunch of different actual protections, they actually don't and they actually don't care because it's not part of their bottom line yet. Now, we've had a lot of high profile things happen in the past, but it still seems like a lot of people aren't actually or at least a lot of businesses aren't actually taking the necessary steps to actually ensure that their users are fully protected. And the biggest, or the two biggest ones recently has been Experian and Marriott, showing this, the lack of security that they are offering for their users. And the, there's a lot of credit card information with these sites as well, especially Experian being a credit card scoring site, that's pretty bad. So those, those are two co- the predictions combined that's actually going to see more and more things happening and hopefully a bigger, bigger IT departments to help facilitate or at least mitigate a lot of these problems that are arising from a lot of different hacks and just the lacks of security in general. Now, next on is to be transitioning to kind of what's going on in marketing or digital marketing specifically. And what can we see from that? Now, we've seen a lot of um, interesting ads throughout 2018. Especially at the end, we saw the Nike ad with um, kind of a controversial uh, quarterback, uh, Kaepernick as well, from the formerly a 49er uh, quarterback. And he was kind of put in the forefront of a Nike ad. And Nike said in general that sales were up. Now, overall, we haven't really seen those that data and that hasn't been talked about anymore because it's old news. And also, most recently, we saw the Gillette ad where it basically trashed men um, as a guy myself, I saw it and I wasn't particularly happy on how they were portraying men in general. And I kind of took a very um, radical feminist approach as men are just terrible human beings and that we need kind of more weak-willed men to stand up and put children in harm's way while we stand up to people kind of pushing other guys around and wrestling's a terrible idea and all that stuff. And it, I don't think it really helped Gillette... In the long run, because previous um, ads for Gillette has been meant to striving to be their best and not to be a negative thing, but to uprise or be an uplifting, cathartic uh, commercial instead. And they went different approach, and usually people do take offense when it's uh, – it, it was just a terrible ad in general, and a lot of men were just extremely upset about it. Even online, I mean, I saw some men like it, but I saw a majority of women actually like the ad, which, I mean, kind of goes to speak as Gillette making these ads for men or for women. And then you go, well, what are you, who are you trying to sell to? Now, in this particular thing, you're trying to sell to men, but if you piss off a big majority of men, then are you really successful at it? And it's, I've seen some articles saying that they didn't really get – an uplift in uh, sales that kind of sales were just flat, which if you're going to make like several million dollar um, ad and it doesn't actually uh, make sales any better than was the ad actually worth it. And that's what they're going to have to go back into and in saying, okay, look at, we've made, it made a mistake, even though they probably won't admit that, but it just goes to show that marketing is not in the best place right now. And the future kind of looks like it's going into woke advertising, which means, you know, it's more of the internet vernacular that you woken up to something right or wrong. You still woken up to it. And that's kind of where a lot of marketing is going towards. And even though marketing is transitioning over to not selling products, but selling the best version of you, I would still like to see the transition back to that because that's what we're really trying to do. We're trying to sell a product. Maybe some of it is trying to sell the best version of you, but not every product is trying to sell the best version of you. I don't see concrete making me a better version of myself with concrete. And I'm just seeing kind of this pompous way of thinking. And primarily, it's probably going to be laid down to my generation being blamed for this. And we have all of that on our backs. It's our fault that we're doing this mostly because of what we've been taught by previous generations. And are mostly kind of kneeling into more of the baby boomers trying to do this to us and trying to show us a better way with more feelings-based things and not really fact-based research to back it up. But that's what I'm seeing right now. I don't think it's going to be very popular eventually, and I think we're going to hit kind of this peak where people are going to be like, enough. I don't want to be told how terrible I am. This is not how you sell products. But right now, this is where a lot of marketing agencies are going, I don't actually agree with it, but hopefully it will have a shorter life than a longer life. But we'll see. Um, content marketing it kind of is not really the new thing anymore. And marketers are just trying to find a new thing, and this is what they've latched onto right now. Now, marketers, I want to say that not every customer is a monolith, and so you really need to understand your, in general, or your broad base customers, not your very small subsection customers because it's not going to go very well for you, and you're going to see very flat sales. And then your boss is going to be like, well, why did this not work? Why are we not seeing more sales? And that's going to be a major problem going down the line. Now, next on is I'm gonna, is basically going to be, um, my next prediction, I should say, is going to be more about influencers and how um, niche influencers are going to be the biggest thing moving forward. Unfortunately, influencers or influencer marketing has taken kind of a hit because of a lot of controversies about influencers inflating their followers to actually get the deals that they want because uh, it's easier to get fake followers and say, hey, look how much reach I have. And then you really find out that it's much lower of a reach and marketers are eventually or have finally woken up to, well, we need to actually have. Stuff in place to protect ourselves and not spend so much money, and that's where niche influencers has gotten into. As niche influencers, smaller, less money to actually put forth, and they have a better connection to their audience, which actually helps with sales because Gen Z and my generation really, really like, or at least really, really listen to influencers. It's not so much TV commercials anymore, or even. Actors, but influencers in different industries as well. So that is becoming more of a pivotal role in the marketing grand scheme of things. Um, it's the next phase because we start off with influencers in general and getting those big high numbers. But most companies are like, maybe we can actually spend a little bit less in the budget, get a little bit smaller, help grow their audience with them as well, which is a good partnership. It actually also shows that you care about the community and actually want the community to grow from within and you actually take the time to help grow their user base as well. Next on my predictions for digital marketing is Voice Search. Now, Voice Search has been around for a few years now. The popular ones are Alexa and Google Assistant with HomePod being a distant third and uh, Cortana, well, I mean, Cortana is just being decoupled from Windows 10. This has been doing very well, but I actually foresee that soon, actually in probably in a year or so, it a little bit longer, But at least we're going to see a bigger uptick in voice search with more and more people buying either the Google Mini, the Google Hub, Alexa, Alexa Dot, all the Echo Dot, excuse me, all these other ones. We're going to see a huge, huge uptick in all this stuff. And it's going to actually matter for marketers into making sure that SEO, because eventually I'm going to see that SEO is going to be um, kind of firmly putting in voice search. Voice search is going to be a huge thing. And eventually people are going to be like, hey, Alexa, hey, Google, or whatever, and saying, hey, well, show me this stuff. Show me that stuff. I'm kind of worried because I have uh, my phone and everything with me, and I don't want to make sure that they actually didn't you know, go off. But it's actually going to be that type of thing where it's not going to just be written language, but it's also going to be the voice language. We're going to see more SEO companies kind of tailored to that. We're going to see Google eventually make that change. Um, into inputting that into Google Analytics. I'm pretty sure Um, it's going to be a really good time to actually kind of start seeing all this stuff happening all at once. I'm kind of excited to see where this goes because it's going to be an interesting new frontier into SEO and digital marketing in that aspect. We're going to be seeing a lot of um, rising stars coming up. It's a very interesting time in that type of SEO, to say the least. Now, moving on, we're going to talk about a little bit more SEO in that more it's going to be quality content and it's going to be a really more impactful thing that less is better. But good, good content is better for SEO. That means your pictures. That means your quality of content, which is written, voice, video. Any type of that is going to play a major, major role from for the time being or moving forward, I should say. It's not going to go away. Um, SEO is going to be more of contextualizing the content and less about your backlinking and your keywords, even though that will play a role, I'm going to start seeing more and more that's going to be taking a backseat to all these other great things that are going to be happening. And people are going to start figuring out that the better your content is, the better ranking you're going to get. And hopefully the better the website is as well, because you have to think about your website in general as SEO, as content in general, if it looks good, if it runs well, That's great content. We actually haven't been really talking about that too much because we've been talking about websites as more of a linear, hey, keywords, make sure they're all good. Hey, backlinks, make sure they're all good. But if you look at your website as a singular content piece and how can I make this content the best I can make it, we're going to start seeing some better websites that way. Most businesses don't look at it, especially small businesses don't look at it that way. They just look at their website as a portal to get visitors to watch or Look at what they're doing, and that's not really the best way of looking at it. It is everything you put out on the web, website, and everything else is a piece of content. So make sure it's the best you can do at the time. And obviously, update it going along the way as well. And last on my predictions for digital marketing is that everybody's gonna be doing video and live streaming. This is basically a no-brainer from now on. Small businesses are gonna have to figure out how to do really great video content in general and there's a lot of great websites out there to help you uh kind of boost that without actually knowing how to do a lot of this stuff um one that i use that i'm not sponsored whatsoever but i actually think it's a really great site it's called motion array it's motionarray.com um they actually got some pretty good um templates for you to use super simple to use uh it, there's a lot of great things for anybody who's anybody in what they're doing in d- different industries um they got a lot of things for content for instagram stories and all that stuff it's just in lower thirds and a bunch of different things. It's just a really, really um, great site for actually doing that, especially if you just don't know how to video edit very well. You can find uh, people to actually do that as well. But if you wanna you know, dabble in it and not have to worry about um, creating all this extra stuff to make it actually top notch, this is a great site for you to go to. But back to that, um, live streaming is just gonna be a no brainer. It's gonna be, it's basically the next video when video kind of replaced pictures and etc cetera, etc cetera. so this is going to be the next frontier that companies are going to have to figure out how to do effectively some have especially in the gaming industry some have done quite well because you got twitch uh, youtube gaming mixer a bunch of other ones shoutcast i think is another one as well you also got periscope and facebook live so a lot of companies just kind of figure out how to do this effectively and well and kind of um train themselves on how to be a good live streamer because it does take time it's not an easy thing to do and it will take a lot of time to build up that following, especially if you have to figure out to do it once a week, twice a week, whatever, find how much time you have and use that to your best advantage. Now moving on to gaming and my predictions in the gaming industry in general. Um, I kind of see that uh, gaming and Gamergate or gaming journals and Gamergate in general is going to come full circle. We're kind of already seeing that in general with a lot of developers kind of going towards what gaming journalists believe and kind of listening to them more than actually listening to their own customers. And I think this is going to come full circle where gamers are just kind of tired of being, you know, talked down to. We don't like being talked down to, so stop trying to make us feel like we're being talked down to. We are your customers. We should be the most important ones that you actually advertise to and don't listen to the people that you give your game for free to to say, hey, review it, because they may help guide or at least tell the gamer if they actually listen to them, what they if they should buy this or not. But your primary focus is the customer. And if you're not going after the customer's money, making sure that they are being um, treated well then you're just losing a bunch of money because you actually believe the other side that doesn't actually buy your product but actually gets it for free and just reviews it maybe once and never plays it again or thinks it's too quote-unquote hard, as someone actually said that Resident Evil 2 is actually hard, which I beat it when I was younger in 1998 when it first came out. Now, I haven't actually played too much yet, but I actually really do want to get back into it because of other games because other games have taken my time away from actually playing it, but it is an enjoyable game from the little I played with it because I just remember it from the nineteen eighty eight days, but a lot better graphics. Anyways, moving on to kind of gaming journalists actually destroying the gaming industry, or at least the games in general. And we've kind of seen a little bit with a lot of these like, oh no, Assassin's Creed has this achievement where you actually have to have a heterosexual relationship to pass on your DNA because that's nature, everybody. And they're all up in arms about it, and Ubisoft has to change it because stupidity reigns within the gaming journalists in general. I have no... I don't like most of them. Most of them on YouTube are fine. It's mostly the traditional ones where I'm having the biggest problems with. And they really need to watch what they're actually doing because they're ruining it for everybody else. We enjoy it because we like to play games. We don't care about your politics. We don't care that Far Cry 5 didn't have enough Politics in the game. It doesn't have to. We try to play games to escape all that stuff. Not to be inundated with your leftist ideology because you firmly place yourself in, I don't know, the progressive narrative, which is really annoying because not all of us agree with you on that. So how about you just review the game without the political lens of a two-year-old? Anyways, I'm just just—I'm sick of it and I really want gaming journalists to actually understand that the people that they are reviewing this game for don't agree with them all the time and just review the game as a game. Is it fun? Is it an engaging story? Does it have interesting character personalities? That type of thing. I don't care if it doesn't, if it doesn't have the correct political narrative that you're trying to push on me every day of the week. I don't care about that. I care if it's fun or not. Moving on to the Epic Store. Now, there's a lot of controversy surrounding the Epic Store, and I still firmly believe that the Epic Store is actually going to be the major competition to Steam, even though it's kind of terrible policies like, I don't know, making games exclusive on the Steam, I mean, the Epic Store, excuse me, that's kind, of, uh, that's kind of crappy, Epic. I mean, if you want to make sure that gamers want to use your digital distribution site, how about actually create the features that they want? Like, I don't know, reviews. That's weird. You don't have reviews or a forums for people to, you know, figure out how to make your game work. Sometimes when they have problems on your own store, they have to go to Steam to actually do that. Why don't you actually make a better digital distribution site better than Steam? Because you actually haven't made one better than Steam. It's kind of lacking. You just decided to actually, hey, we're actually going to undercut Steam to actually get people to exclusively put it on Epic. Are you kidding me? And the businesses that are the publishers that actually are doing this, are you insane? If people don't want to buy your product on Epic, why don't you just still put it on Steam? Because that's where we actually go. Now, there's other ones like Origin, uh, Uplay, uh, GOG has actually a, a distribution site as well, and uh, Bethesda. And they all aren't that great. Uh, actually, no. I will say that GOG Galaxy is actually good because you don't actually have to use it if you don't want to. Insane. I know. It's crazy. Um, but the other ones are okay. They're not that great. I just, I bemoan having to install all of these things just to get a game to play. I mean, I remember when I bought an Ubisoft game on Steam and I still had to play it through Uplay. So I had to open up Steam and then Uplay had to open up just to play Ubisoft's game. And I'm like, why is there this thing where I have to load or actually have two programs running in the background just to play one game? It's insane. But... Unfortunately, I do think Epic Store will be the major competition for Steam. Uh, How they do it is, well, is another thing. And I hope publishers don't actually fall into this, ooh, we get more of a cut if we make it exclusive. Yeah, but it's actually not really going to work because gamers are going to be like, why did you do this to me? I don't want to install this. Especially since Epic is kind of funded or one of their partners is Tencent which is from China, and we all know Chinese like to, you know, steal information and sell it to the highest bidder. You know, and a lot of people think that uh, American companies are bad. Chinese companies are actually far, far worse about that in general. On to my next one is I actually think that Destiny is going to eventually die. um, I think after the decoupling of Destiny and Activision Blizzard that we're actually going to see kind of, um, well, kind of it going bye-bye. It's not gonna work anymore. Uh, they're actually not going to probably invest too much into it. They may make Destiny 3, but I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing them actually moving on to another uh, another game, another game that they actually create, even maybe a digital distribution site because everybody's doing that nowadays. Um, but I am actually going to see um, that happening. And then Division 2, which is coming out next week, or actually, no, excuse me, this week on Friday, um is actually going to be better than the first game. It's still going to have its kinks. It's still going to have its limitations. Because let's be honest with you, loot shooters are actually not as fun at end game content. Actually, it's pretty terrible. Anthem has that problem. Destiny Two had that problem, and I'm saying Division Two is going to have that problem. I'll actually talk about uh, the problems with loot shooters in the next in a uh, in a future episode of Gamers Cafe. But right now, but Division Two is actually going to be in a A pretty good game from the lessons that they've actually learned. Hopefully, the end game content, which has always been kind of the uh, downside of these loot shooters, is actually going to be a lot better. Anthem is having trouble with that. Destiny 2 finally figured it out with all the end game content, but it took them almost about a year or so to actually get it all right. I am looking forward to be playing uh, Division 2. Uh, Ubisoft actually has a good track record of making... Games that need a lot of work and then actually bring them back to, hey, this is an enjoyable game. So I'm actually looking forward to what they've learned from their lessons from the first division to this new game, Division 2. So it does come out in a few days. So actually, no, it's, it's today. Uh, it comes out today. I'm sorry. It actually comes out today. Woohoo! So, yeah, this it should be fun. Loot shooters can be fun, but it also can be a very grindy experience at the same time. Next off is to Overwatch and kind of like to the problems it's been having uh, in general, I kind of foresee it actually going on a big decline eventually. Everybody's just up in arms about whether it's either the GOATS comp or just that Brigida is overpowered or any other thing because it's been around for about three years. It's a game that's, you know, had its peak of popularity and people are looking for other games to play. They might come back to it every once in a while. I do every once in a while, but I don't play it to the extent of that I used to play it. We'll see what Blizzard can do with uh, the changes that are implementing and what else they can do to kind of bolster up their player count and see if they can do some interesting updates and kind of keep a balance between making sure the pro players are getting what they need and also everybody else. Because usually the people playing these games are everybody else and there's a very small minority of people that are really good. That's just how most games are played. The masses play it, but they're not as good as the pro players type of a thing. But I will say that, and this is on to my next thing, that we have to give a lot of credit for Overwatch kind of catapulting esports into the mainstream. And I see this happening more and more. And actually, it's going to be hitting prime time soon. I'm going to start seeing um just channels actually trying to implement esports into their sports lineup like ESPN, um, NBC Fox. You're gonna start seeing this more and more. I'm Kind of projecting that probably more towards the end of the year, you're going to start seeing other sports broadcasts finally be doing this, having a lot more um, experts on the esports scene and not like relegating it to just Twitch. But I just feel like Twitch is going to be the powerhouse for this in general. Next on my predictions is uh, VR is going to die. Uh, I've already seen this with Valve actually cutting their VR team and you're going to see this more and more. The problem with VR right now is that there just isn't enough killer games. It's re- still really expensive and most people aren't actually jumping into it. I'm not jumping into it. I've always said on this podcast that AR is a future or a mixed reality. AR and VR is the future, just not a standalone VR um, unit. Plus you got other obstacles to fix on the VR like nausea, just feeling headaches and stuff after playing for a while. Um, so there is a lot of issues with VR that these developers have to fix. And I don't really foresee them fixing these. Um, VR could have other uses, but right now for gaming is kind of dead. Uh, I don't see a lot of big publishers actually publishing things for VR. uh, And I don't see this anytime soon. One of the few games is actually pretty good is that Saber Beat game with your your little lightsabers and you cut in different directions. And that's one of the few games that are actually good. Next, one of my predictions is, unfortunately, the gaming industry is going to go through a either a depression. I don't know how large depression is, but it's going to go through either a small or a big depression. We've already seen this with Activision Blizzard laying off about 800 employees. EA's laid off a bunch of employees. ArenaNet, who makes uh, Guild Wars 2, has laid off a bunch of employees. Last year, Telltale Games just completely closed because they just weren't getting enough money, and it was a shock to everybody. So we are seeing a lot of different um, medium and big publishers cutting jobs and making sure that their bottom line is going to be profitable, especially if you're in the public trading scene. You always need to be profitable, even though it's not really that um, realistic. So we should be seeing a little bit of a a depression, not because of just profit margins, but just a lot of games are tanking. Battlefield Five has not done well. Anthem has not done well. The reason for that is mostly because... There's been a lot of bugs. There's a sound bug that I actually ran into several times. The loot drops for grandmasters and legendaries are very light and PC players are just really upset or just people that bought Anthem in general are just really upset about that. Even though Call of Duty has done relatively well, it's just not as popular as it used to be. And Fortnite in general has just taken a large piece of that pie away from a lot of these developers because it is free to play. Now, luckily... Respawn has actually done a really good job with Apex Legends, and it's different enough to actually be a competitor to Fortnite and PUBG, even though PUBG is kind of losing its popularity. A lot of people have been playing it as much, and we have Apex Legends and Fortnite battling toe-to-toe for the piece of the pie for the player base, and I think those are going to be the two main rivals for battle royale games it's not a bad game apex legends is actually fun it's a fun game to play with friends and it's just a good all-around experience there's very few lag issues it does plays really well and it's based off of titanfall 2 except without the mechs so if you haven't tried it out i highly recommend you try it out it's a fun game it's free to play so you have nothing to lose and that's kind of what i see kind of in the gaming side of things for predictions i'm hoping that the depression is not going to be too long But I do foresee it from all the layoffs has been happening and just the sales have been down for a lot of high profile games that should have gotten a lot, a lot of sales and it just hasn't converted to that. But anyways, I want to move on to what I'm actually going to be doing for Digital Coffee and what the new episodes are going to look like. I'm going to be splitting up and having Digital Coffee talk about tech and digital marketing and then having Gamers Cafe talk about gaming specifically. And it's always going to be on Fridays. It's going to be a new episode each Friday. And so you guys can enjoy it over the weekend or you can enjoy it over the week if you kind of don't have time during the weekend and you have a long drive, you know, for your commute because it happens. I live in California. It happens all the time. Also, I'm going to be doing some reviews as well through the podcast and through video. And so check back on that for all the latest updates on what games you should buy, what games you should not buy or hold off on. It's going to be a little bit of a different format, but still the same me and I'm also going to be doing kind of highlights of what coffee I'm going to be drinking for that week's episode. So you guys can try it out or not. And it's really up to you. But since it's digital coffee, might as well talk about the coffee as well. Also, just follow me on all my digital coffee podcast social medias like Instagram, digital coffee with only one e, Facebook, same, Twitter, same, YouTube, same. Uh, Twitch Digital Underscore Coffee, Mixer Digital Underscore Coffee as well. Also, please subscribe and write a review for these podcasts. It really will help me boost the rankings. And I'm also on iTunes, Google Play Music, Pocket Cast, Public Radio Now, Spotify, Anchor Radio, and everything else I can get it on. Just so you guys don't have to go find me, I find the best spots for you so you can easily listen to it. All right, join me next week. I'd go through the current state of loot shooters and review Anthem for you guys while I talk about a little bit of my impressions of Division 2 because they'll already would be out because it's out today. So we're going to go through a little bit of that and so you guys can know about loot shooters and the problems that's been arising with these and what we can do or my opinion on how we can fix those. All right guys see you next Friday and always enjoy that coffee while you're listening to me. Later.